Welcome back to the Dad and Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, everybody. We're back at it again uh, here at the Dad and Rock headquarters, which is just uh, my house and Chris's house, respectively. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of bedrooms we sit in. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty, if you think about it, it's a pretty big headquarters, man. We're going from Ohio down to Kentucky, so I mean, it's that's pretty large. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Um, <laughs> uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, not much on my side. You know, we're just doing you know the day in day out monotonous routine for us here. Uh, but have you been up to anything lately? Uh, yeah, this past weekend actually did something fairly special for the wife and I. We don't go out too too often. Uh, it'd be nice if we went out more often. But you know, we got the kid, and you know, we try to save money where we can. Um, but, uh, I actually got to enjoy a Christmas present from this past Christmas. Um, my wife got me tickets to the Louisville Orchestra and, uh, one night only they were playing, essentially they had a full orchestra sitting in front of a giant movie screen that was playing the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I guess a copy that didn't have the score attached to it because they were playing it live. So I kind of sat in this big theater with like two balconies. It was huge. Uh, looking down at the screen, watching Empire Strikes Back and, and listening to the uh, full orchestra play the score throughout. So did you wear a suit and you know, have your monocle in <laughs> and your cane the whole deal? No, no. There were some people that were, uh, you know, they kind of dressed up for the occasion. I had, you know, I had a pair of nice jeans and a, a decent Star Wars uh, shirt on. sweater on. <laughs> no, I did see that too. <laughs> there, were, there were some uh, Star Wars t-shirts in the mix for sure. It's only, I mean, it's, it's appropriate. I mean, you're not going to see, you know, the Philharmonic playing and, you know, a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was a fun crowd. That was probably one of the best parts of it is that, you know, you were kind of surrounded by a crowd of fellow Star Wars fans. Um, so, um, yeah, kind of like any big screening where there's a bunch of people, people got rowdy. You know, we were encouraged to applaud and and, you know, cheer and jeer when, when things happen in the movie. Uh, so anytime, like, a character would pop up for the first time, people would applause and say, yeah. <laughs> when Yoda <laughs> would espouse his uh, lines of wisdom, like, do or do not, uh, people would be like, yeah, and cheering and applause. So uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. Were they sing it, like, with them as loud as they could? <laughs> yeah, my I tried to refrain from repeating dialogue from the movie as it was going on, because I'm a pretty, uh, I'm guilty of doing that. I, I did do it from time to time, but uh, it was so loud in there, I don't think my wife heard it, or else she probably would have given me an elbow. <laughs> well, she'll be elbowing a lot of people, then it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was actually the best part of this whole experience, was uh, forcing my wife to watch a Star Wars film uh, without her being distracted by her phone or anything else, uh, we had to sit down from start to finish and, and watch it. And luckily, I mean, it was, you know, arguably the best Star Wars film, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no, we were talking about this before, but that was something that I was looking at. Uh, they were in Cincinnati. And unlike you, my wife would not have purchased it for <laughs> me. So I would have had to buy it. And knowing she would not have come along with me, I would have had to figure out something you know, to go with me. Now, probably if I would have told you I had two tickets, you would have probably meet me in Cincinnati in a heartbeat. Oh, I'd go see it again for sure. I mean, it's, it's an experience. Uh, I mean, from the get-go, they, they start hearing the uh, 20th Century Fox fanfare go off, and it just puts you in the mood. And, um, you know, there's an, there's an intermission, um, which was kind of threw me off because, you know, you're in the middle of the movie. Um, so Luke had just gone into the cave in, in, in Dagobah and, you know, he saw himself in Darth Vader's mask and then the screen goes black and, uh, it says intermission on the screen. You're like, Oh, hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> they hit pause on you. <laughs> yeah. Hit pause for 15 minutes. Um, so people could use the bathroom and stuff. And, 
uh, came back afterwards. But yeah, the, they asked that you know we stayed for the for the whole time um, through the end credits, so we could listen to all that beautiful John Williams score kind of all together. Um, yeah, it was man, it was a lot of fun. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Now, was this one of those experiences? If you get up in the middle of it and you go walk out for the bathroom, they will not let you back in. Possibly, I didn't chance that. I did see a sign outside of the theater door that said, um, "You know, the ushers. You know, if you leave during it, that's letting you back in is at the ushers' discretion." So I didn't chance it. <laughs> I know someone that goes and sees uh, the Nutcracker each year, and if you get up and leave during the actual performance, they will not let you in back into the actual theater until there's an intermission. So you're stuck watching it on TV, right, outside of the theater itself. So. It may be something similar, unless it's you know you had to leave for some urgent reason. Well, there all there were old ladies, old lady ushers guarding the exit that I was near, so um, that's probably the case. Oh, they're the meanest ones too. They don't put anyone. <laughs> those, little, those little old ladies aren't nice. Oh yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to leave anyway because I mean it was it was a ton of fun. I mean I've seen this movie countless times, but never in that particular way. Um, in a huge crowd, um, you know, full of uh, fellow Star Wars goers and. Uh, yeah, to kind of share that experience in a setting like that, it was great. Yes, I mean, that was one of the biggest things about us when we were seeing the, you know, episode one, two, and three come out. We were always yeah. going there at midnight so we can actually enjoy it with that diehard group of fans to go ahead and uh, see those films with. Yeah. Like you were saying, if Yoda comes on a screen, the whole place erupts in cheers. Right. And this was back in uh, back in 2005, and people dressing up where, where cosplay wasn't really a huge thing just yet. Yeah, I didn't know what quite to think of that when we were sitting there. But, yeah, we had our lightsabers out. We were yeah. there with them. <laughs> yeah, our Master Effects sabers. That's right. I wish I still had those. But um, I, I saw a couple of those in the crowd. I even saw a violinist with their bow that actually lit up a, a red like a uh, like Darth Vader's lightsaber. He was oh, using it to awesome. play his violin. It was awesome. Yeah, no, that's always the biggest, the, the most fun you can have is when you're amongst your people. Yeah. And you're enjoying a film that everyone loves. Like, we don't get that mu- as much. I mean, I know, like, there's a Rocky Horror Picture Show. They have that gathering where they always yeah. get together and have a good time with it. Us as Star Wars nerds don't uh, don't have that same gathering of the nerds, I should say. Yeah, not as often for sure. So if you uh, happen to come across something like that, uh, if it happens to come to your town, I highly suggest going to it because uh, it was uh, a lot of fun. And I do it in a heartbeat again. Well, I mean, from one Star Wars, you know, piece of information to, you know, the, the big creepy guy at the end of that movie that dies and he made a return in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we're talking of Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, some news came out about him uh, just recently and not surprisingly, it came out in uh, the novels where most of this, you know, the Star Wars uh, canon lives. I mean, the yeah. movies are a very, very small part of it. And I think a lot of people have issue with that just because, uh, well, they're Neanderthals. Don't pick up books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, officially it, the Star Wars canon's kind of been a little all over the place uh, the last couple of years. Uh, Disney, you know, when they first purchased Star Wars, you know, they were saying pretty much, you know, everything going forward would be canon. They eliminated a lot of the old stuff, um, and everything going forward would be canon, whether it be in comic books, novels, video games. Uh, since then, they've kind of loosened up a bit. But, yeah, um, you're right. This news came out earlier um, this week that the Palpatine that we see in The Rise of Skywalker is actually a clone, which, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I'm kind of eh about it, frankly. I mean, I could care less either way. Yeah, I, I really don't feel like it was a big portion of that that movie. Yeah, it would just kind of feel like it, like we talked about in the past. It was something else was kind of thrown in there. Okay, we have a hole. 
let's put him in there and then create more holes. Right. But I mean, if they put him in there, people are going to love it. I mean, we were a part of it. It's like, sweet, Emperor Palpatine's back. How are they going to do this? But uh, we were always wondering why he was connected to all those, you know, those cables and everything. And apparently uh, those cables that he was connected to was actually providing him his life source. And it was running low. So he was dying regardless. So he was uh, he was on his way out. And apparently this is some of the, the you know, the dialogue that takes place between him and, and Kylo Ren uh, before the interaction in the movie. So they see each other prior. So that's not their first actual interaction. That's the first one we know of because it actually happened on screen. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I mean, I tell you what, as far as the idea of Palpatine being a clone and that's how he returns, I mean, that's how I wish they would have gone from the get-go. Because when the movie came out, they kind of said that he was actually Palpatine and somehow he survived the Death Star kind of, you know, inferring that, you know, when Darth Vader threw him down into the guts of the second Death Star and we see him essentially blow up into this all-powerful explosion, somehow he survived that like a la Darth Maul did in in Phantom Menace. He pulled himself together from somehow the Death Star blowing (laughs) up. I, I didn't know how that worked. Palpatine having clones of himself is something that was done in the old books, you know, the old canon and the novels back in like the 90s. So there has some history to it. Um, I I really wish they would have just if that's the route that they were going to take, I wish they would have gone whole hog into it. I wish we would have seen like a a de-aged Ian McDermott because they have that sort of technology now. Mm -hmm. You know, just show us a whole row of them where he's like, you know, like 28, 30 years old in glass tubes. Like like we seen snow kind of in the in the in the containers when they first walked in. Exactly, yeah. Like if you're gonna go for it, I, I would have loved to seen something like that. Like, oh, okay, and it just makes sense. I mean, he he raised a whole clone army. Why wouldn't he behind the scenes be using that same technology to preserve his own life? There was changing of directors and everything during this movie while it was being written. Yeah. This book is now coming out. How many months after that's been released? So I almost feel like the book is trying to fix some holes that were in the movie. It's quite possible that when he was released in the movie, he wasn't intended to be a clone. Right. He was on life support for some reason. And then the book who was writing it, I'm not sure exactly who put the book together, but they were like, this can explain it away and kind of put it at rest because there is a precedent of him having, you know, clones of him back in, in what we call now legends. Right. So I kind of, that, that just now came to me. And I think that's probably makes the most sense. I think. Yeah. So going forward, I guess in my head canon, there is a row of young Palpatines and tubes somewhere. And, um, you know, the reason that this one that we see is so kind of so, uh, depreciated is because these clone bodies can't con- kind of contain his Sith power, his Sith energy. Um, and it, it is the real Palpatine per se. It is his essence, his spirit uh, that kind of escaped the second Death Star, but not that corporeal form, right? Not his actual body. Uh, somehow his essence got transferred into one of these clones. That's that's what I'm thinking is going on, and that's what I'll probably assume is going on going forward whenever I do revisit that movie which um, I don't know when the next time that will be. (laughs) Now, see, I had no intention of getting this book. Yeah. Now that we're learning a little bit more about it, I have that urge to actually go ahead and get it just to kind of know a little bit more of what they're kind of putting out there. Because they're just kind of giving it to us little by little what really went into this. It goes back to, you know, when uh, Palpatine's talking to Anakin about, you know, life after death or cheating death. Right. Did he find a way, instead of making himself a force ghost, to go ahead and be able to transfer his life essence into something else 
until something's ready to accept it. Yeah, and I, I think that makes sense in a way as far as how the Jedi and the Sith use the Force. Um, the Jedi kind of embrace the Force in a way that would um, uplift their own identity, their own selves, um, in a way that kind of preserves their own life essence, um, kind of, you know, in a good way, <laughs> where there's really no technology involved. It's just kind of all ethereal and, um, you know, the, the will of the Force kind of thing. Well, the Sith, you know, you know, them using this power, kind of abusing this power to like, you know, rip their essence from one bag of meat and forcing it into another bag of meat <laughs> and continuing their own lives. Uh, there's something a little more Sith about that, I think. So um, in my head, it made sense. And that, I was hoping that's the way that they would go into this movie and we'd get more details about that kind of stuff. But really, I mean, at, you know, at two and a half hours already, plus there just wasn't enough room, I guess, for for a lot of detailed fleshed out information on on how palpatine survived yeah because they, they had the other characters and everything they had to kind of finish or wrap up their uh their storylines as well so adding palpatine into the mix added more more issues than actual closure okay so we're talking about palpatine here but uh we gotta talk about his you know his study his his, his right hand man his right hand jedi uh anakin and we're over here we're watching you know, the new clone wars that have come out uh, episode two here. Uh, have you seen a uh, episode two, a distant echo? I did actually, and I, I watched it pretty soon after it came out. I was a fan. It was it was a good continuation of the uh, the season opener. We still have the bad batch kind of going at it, uh, kind of taking a bit of a backseat this episode uh, to to Rex. But yeah, it's a continuing story of of them f- actually finding Echo. Turns out Echo was at this, uh, you know, this droid facility kind of being used and abused for his um, military prowess. Yeah, they went to uh, Planet Skeko Minor and uh, they went ahead and find that, found Echo. I wasn't sure what they were going to find, but I'm glad they found him alive. I mean, yeah. I don't know where they're going to go with the storyline from here because he has he's all kind of done up, kind of like he's got all types of different like pieces on him. He's in bad shape. Yeah, he's, he's in rough shape. And once he found out Rex came back for him, you can tell a kind of... Uh, it almost kind of put him at ease. It's almost like he was getting ready to pass away right there when he knew Rex's buddy came back. Right. But, uh, yeah, we, we, well, we kind of skipped all the way to the end, guys. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like that was kind of the meat and potatoes of the story. Like, what happened this episode? Oh, they actually found Echo. I think something, something is hidden in this episode that is huge. And I don't know how much you caught of it. I mean, you really couldn't miss it if you're watching it. But when Anakin calls Padme and they're talking, he's already married to her in secrecy. Right. And he's there talking and kind of they're going back and forth, you know, siege. Didn't think it was going to take so long, yada, yada, yada. But when he walks out after, you know, Rex is actually covering for him and Obi-Wan's not buying it at all. He knows. Yeah. And he's like, did you at least tell Padme I said hi? I'm wondering that this is what I mean by it's, it's a sneaky little tidbit going forward. How much of their relationship does Obi-Wan know without knowing? Like, without saying something, without, like, divulging it to the actual council. Does he know Padme's pregnant? Does he know that they're actually married? And they're kind of walking around in secrecy. Oh, wow. That, that's interesting. Yeah, just based on that interaction. I, I'm getting way... I'm re- I don't know if I'm reading way too much into this, but he wasn't in there with him. He didn't know what he was actually doing. He just, I'm assuming he had a sense through the force that he knew what he was doing. He was talking to Padme, but they're not supposed to have a relationship outside of Senator and, you know, Jedi. Right. So does he know all these things that are going forward? But since he's so close with Anakin, 
he does not actually divulge it to anybody. Well, wow, that's interesting. Well, if that's the case, do you th- if Obi-Wan does know um, about Padme being pregnant and then being married, do you think Anakin is aware of Obi-Wan knowing? I think, ba- now this is something else, you have to maybe watch it again. Because when he says, did you at least tell Padme I said hi, Anakin glances back like, you know, I knew you knew. Hmm. He gives them a side eye. Okay. And they keep walking. So I'd almost encourage you to watch that first, like, maybe eight minutes of that episode again. And yeah. just kind of look for that. And see if you read the same thing into it that I read into it. I kind of took it as a way, um, because if you think about their history, I mean, I haven't watched The Clone Wars, but I'm thinking of their relationship from um, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. I mean, Obi-Wan is definitely aware that Anakin has an infatuation with Padme. I mean, it's how they all met in The Phantom Menace. Um, all the way up. They grew up together, essentially. Yeah, essentially. And then, you know, they kind of see each other again after a long time in Attack of the Clones. Anakin pretty much tells Obi-Wan that he dreams of Padme, and um, Obi-Wan kind of, you know, tries to temper his his feelings there. Um, But the way I took it, and when I actually watched it for the first time, I just assumed that Obi-Wan was aware that Anakin had feelings for Padme, but not that to the extent that they were already married with uh, kids on the way or anything like that. Yeah, that, that may be a little bit of stretch for me there, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility when he wasn't even in the room or anywhere even close to where that conversation was taking place, when he knew exactly what he was doing without being told that he was doing it. Right. And if you think about it, I don't it's been a while since I've watched the prequels, but I don't remember any sort of scene where Padme and Obi-Wan have a conversation that the that she's pregnant with Anakin's kids. Um I guess it's just kind of assumed that way. I mean when when Padme gives birth and she dies right afterwards, I mean Obi-Wan knows that Luke and Leia are Anakin's offspring. So I don't know, it's been a while since I've watched um the the prequels like I said. So I don't know, maybe he does know more than what he's letting on. It, it kind of makes sense for that character. I mean, Obi-Wan's no dummy, right? Yeah, not at all. And him and Anakin are a lot closer. I mean, they're they're inseparable, and they're close in a way that, that friends would be close allies, um, you know, people in battle, but also just like, you know, having somebody at your side. They're probably able to pick up on each other's tendencies and uh, even just uh, like nonverbal clues as far as things going on in, in their lives, so... I don't know. You know, I'd buy it if that were the case and Obi-Wan was just kind of keeping it on the down low so his uh, Padawan wouldn't get in trouble with the council <laughs> more than he already typically does. Yeah, um, right. Then, uh, yeah, I'd buy that. So, I mean, even in the in the Clone Wars, it goes on to earlier where it gets into where Obi-Wan had the same thing with him. He had a relationship. Right. He may know what, to, what kind of senses he's feeling, like if, what he's felt. If he's sensing that in Anakin... He knows, I mean, there's only one person it could be. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be just, you know, like you were saying, he's no dummy. He's, he's going to go ahead and rule everything out, and he's going to know based on that information. Now, stretching it to the, the extent I did a minute ago, that's the Star Wars nerd coming, in, coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like it. I'm, I'm going to run with it. I want to see what more happens, because we actually see later in this season where she's actually pregnant in another kind of hologram yeah. you know, message between the two of them. So... Uh, what if they're going to kind of mess with that a little bit more, mess with our heads and make us create our own canon? Boy, Star Wars is good at that, man. Even since the uh, original trilogy came out, I mean, I, I was having a conversation 
uh, with my wife earlier this week. Uh, in fact, after she saw Empire Strikes Back, uh, the next thing we did that Sunday was watch uh, Return of the Jedi on Disney+. Plus. She wanted to see how the trilogy ended. Winner! <laughs> <laughs> so I, was like, I, got, I got no problem Score. with that. Yeah, we can throw that on. I can show you Return of the Jedi. So uh, that was awesome. But even she said, like, well, how did this happen? How did this, As we're watching Return of the Jedi, how does this happen? How does this happen? And I'm like... That's kind of the way Star Wars movies are. They just kind of keep going, keep chugging along, and there's there's certain parts where you have to fill it in with your own headcanon or comic books or stories. Um, pretty much everything that you can have a question about, there's probably a comic book issue about it. Uh, for instance, like uh, Princess Leia is in the Ewok village, and you know she's in a dress, and it looks like she's been there for weeks, and she seems like she's been living with them and comfortable <laughs> with them. She's like, well, how the heck did that happen? Like, she's got a dress? How, what? And I'm like... Babe, there's actually an issue, a recent issue of the comic book that explains exactly why that is. It's just <laughs> one of those things about Star Wars uh, that you kind of got to be along for the ride and catch up later with uh, some supplemental material. So so it sounds like she's as bad as my wife is because if I'm watching something and then she shows any interest in it, like she puts down her phone for a second and stops reading and she's watching and, and I catch her watching. That's, yeah. that's the thing. If I catch her watching, she'll continue. But then she'll start asking questions and I hit pause. <laughs> I'm like, okay. There is like, okay. The perfect example of this is when we started watching, even though it was the last season, everyone hated it. Game of Thrones. Right. We were two episodes into that final season and she starts asking questions about Khaleesi and everything else. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I can't answer these questions that quickly for you to understand them. Cause this has taken years to get to the point now where it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones was kind of like that too, where the plot just chugged along, man. Like you had to be along for the ride because if you missed a few scenes, you were going to miss a lot. Yeah, so yeah, they they sound like they both will start asking questions, and when you're like, you know, what? I just want to enjoy it. Can I answer them later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's put a pin in that. But uh, I mean, this episode was great. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying the whole thing. It looks like the Bad Batch, or I think it's Unit 99. Yes. Uh, uh, looks like they're going to stick around for the duration of the series, which I'm very happy about. And I would love to see a comic, you know, a line come out uh, of them by themselves, or maybe even a book that is, you know, specific to them on what they do after. Was it Order sixty six comes down? Uh, do they get affected? Do they do they survive? Yeah. I think we kind of got into that a little bit, uh, but that would be awesome. I love the whole group. I love you know the oaf, the tech guy, you know the everything about them and how they're actually learning to interact with Rex and Anakin and everything. And they're not, you know, quite fighting as much, but you can tell that they're not, you know, what, what they would say is regs. Yeah. So overall, another enjoyable episode. I'm glad they kind of continued the story from last week's episode and they're not jumping around too much uh, so far. Uh, But yeah, there's, I know, you know, as far as um, from just the things that were in the trailers, there's a lot more to go left this season. Uh, So yeah, I'll I'll keep enjoying it. Keep uh, watching uh, throughout the the end of the uh, the series finale of Clone Wars, uh, but yeah, kind of kind of moving on from that, uh, another topic we wanted to kind of touch on this week. Uh, speaking of you know things that uh, bring up nostalgia, you kind of spent some time this week looking up old food items, uh, not old food per se, because that would be gross, but uh, like food products that that were out when we were kids. Uh, whether it be like fast food meals or, or uh, specialty cereals uh, that were maybe like tie-ins with cartoons that we used to watch. Um, what gave you the idea to start looking into that? Uh, honestly, boredom. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, you know, what cereal like has come and gone? Uh, some things that were like back in the 90s, even 80s. Because, I mean, if really, if you look at cereal anymore, a lot of those characters are gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have Toucan Sam. You have uh, the Lucky from like Lucky Charms. Uh, Tricks Rabbit. Tony the Tiger. Captain yes, Crunch. I mean, you have... Yeah, Captain Crunch. So you have a handful of them. But, I mean, if you're looking at some of these here, like, C-3PO had a cereal. Uh, yeah, really? C-3PO's, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, even as far as, like, back when it was still called the WWF, I mean, it's like almost every big superstar had a, a, a box of cereal uh, on them. And I don't know. I mean, it seemed like anything, like, pop culture-wise did. But I'm noticing a pattern here of cereals that have kind of completely disappeared. Cause it, I looked up and they gave me a list of like the top ten cereals that have vanished. Yeah, and I'll I'll kind of you know, I can run through them real quick here. Uh, there's Urkelos. There's Nintendo cereal system. Wait, wait, is, wait, wait. The Urkelos. What is Urkelos? Urkelos is uh, apparently it was a strawberry like flavored cereal. Why they would go with strawberry flavored cereal for Urkelos? Urkelos is, uh, like as in Steve Urkel. As in Steve Urkel, yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was it's pretty bad. But then we said the Nintendo cereal system. Uh, for the most part, when I seen this one here, it looked like the box, and it was like a, a split screen, Donkey Kong on one side and something else going oh, on the other. I remember that. Yeah, I think it was like Link and Super Mario. Uh, you know what? I think that may have been it. Yeah. Let me see here. There was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal, which I never knew existed. But uh, at that time, everything was turtles. Yeah, they had their brand on everything. You could get turtle pies fresh from the sewer. These uh, green dyed pies with custard in them. And that was literally the tagline in the commercial. Fresh from the sewer. (laughs) Turtle pies. (laughs) That sounds appetizing right there. (laughs) Yeah, I actually I did. I remember eating the uh, Ninja Turtle cereal. It was not very good. I don't think many of these were very good. Some of them might have been, but. Um, I remember specifically the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal was like Chex with Lucky Charms marshmallows in it, and uh, it was pretty bland. Uh, let me see. Pac-Man. Do you, I, I don't remember the Pac-Man cereal. Do you remember the Pac-Man cereal? No, Pac-Man's probably before our time, I think, even if just by a, a few years. But um, did you happen to see the box for that one? It was Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, they, it was a bold cereal in Pac-Man. Uh, it was not creative at all. Yeah. Let me see this one here. I'm shocked that you may not have uh, Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. You know, I I can maybe recall it being on the shelves. I can't remember what it even looked like or tastes like or, or anything. I mean, as far as Ghostbusters food products, my go to is uh, Ecto Cooler. High C Ecto Cooler yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with Slimer on, on the little juice box there. But uh, yeah, is that I a can't seasonal re- thing or is that is that like out out? Every now and then I see you get it around like the Halloween time frame. Well, what it was when the um, 2016 Ghostbusters movie came out, they re-released it um, out into grocery stores, and actually did. I actually had to order them offline because I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't find them in stores, so I, I think I got them on Amazon. But uh, no, it's kind of they were out. They were gone for a long, long time. It's funny that High C Ecto Cooler. You know, they released right around the time the real Ghostbusters was really popular. And I think they weren't discontinued until maybe the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003. So that high C flavor of, of Ecto Cooler with Slimer on the on the cover was out for a long time, way past the, the prime of the Ghostbusters, right? There hadn't been a movie in years. Um, but yeah, they it was also gone for a long time after the fact. Um, I actually longed for Ecto Cooler at one point so much 
and I was getting so nostalgic that there's actually recipes online for how to recreate it with oh, some, no. uh, yeah, with some oh, like can never go well tangerine juice and some orange juice and uh, green food coloring, and uh, I I put it together. It was it was okay, but uh, I only did it once and never did it again. <laughs> so it was okay. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. What else we got going on here? Uh, we have Mr. T, which Mr. T in the you know, the '80s was attached to everything, so that's got to be before us. Yeah, well, famously, that's the cereal that Pee-wee Herman ate in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure in the very beginning. That's the cereal that he poured himself a bowl of. <laughs> a pity for some reason. <laughs> yeah, right. It doesn't surprise me at all for some reason. The Gremlins had a cereal. Yeah. And let's see here. Bill and Ted. I would love to see them re-release this, seeing that they're making a new movie. That would be fantastic. But uh, Bill and Ted's excellent cereal. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I actually... Um, you and I, you were witness to this uh, recently when we went to the Louisville Galaxy Con. You saw me purchase a couple magnets. And I actually have a, a small little collection of uh, magnets that are recreations of these old uh, cereal boxes. And I have a few of them. I have the Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters and the Gremlins and uh, uh, C-3PO's. Uh, they're actually, you know, magnets on my refrigerator right now. You know, come to think of it, I do remember that. But I remember the Golden Girls thing a lot more, so... <laughs> Look, let's not bring that up again. <laughs> oh, but back to the cereals here. One thing I did notice is five of these ten that have been like discontinued or basically just disappeared off the face of Earth. Yeah, we're all from one brand, and it's called like Ralston's R A L S T O N. Huh. So I don't know if that has anything to do with like that. No one picked up the actual. You know, the brands, once they decided to go under. So was but, it like uh, a Kellogg's or a General Mills, kind of your big two? It was a Ralston group, huh? Yeah, now that was, yeah, just like General Mills or, you know, there's any other ones there. Yeah, that I mean, that's pretty much the cereals that I've kind of found that were just disappeared. And that uh, were just kind of forgotten for, you know, people just didn't remember that they were there. Cereals once forgotten. I specifically remember a Tiny Toons adventure serial. This must have been the early 90s, like 91 or 2, that I loved as a kid. It was like, um, it kind of reminded me of, honestly, the Mr. T serial. I remember having that. But a lot of them were Captain Crunch ripoffs, but they kind of put them in different shapes. Like uh, the Mr. T serial was literally like a little T, <laughs> like they're shaped like the letter T. Just to pour a, a bowl full of teas, but uh, but it was the same kind of like crispy corn, like sweet corn taste. Um, but they didn't like cut up the roof of your mouth like Captain Crunch does. Uh, so I, I remember these cereals uh, fairly fondly, the ones that I actually do remember. But you know, it's funny that they don't really have these kind of tie-ins anymore with um, with the properties that are out now. You might see like a package of Pop Tarts or something with a Star Wars character on the front of it, but. They don't actually make like Star Wars cereal or Sonic the Hedgehog cereal or, you know, Despicable Me Minion cereal um, to kind of tie in with stuff that's out these days. I think everyone's so health conscious right now, even when it's even a cereal for, you know, a kid in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you, you see it when it comes to fast food and everything else. So it's uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if that was the real reason why you don't see anything uh, targeting kids. I mean, I'm shocked we still see Toucan Sam and everyone else, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, we live in that world and everything's got to be, you know, on the up and up and you can't target kids for anything, even a cereal. You got to give these kids uh, avocado toast for breakfast. No more sugary oh. cereal. Uh, but I mean, even, I mean, like you were saying, you're, you're Mr. T who had teas. I'm pretty sure like if there was a Batman cereal, it would be shaped in like, you know, the bat, bat signal or batarangs or something down those lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, 
even Batman. Batman, we couldn't find an actual like cereal for him, but McDonald's was notorious for you know anytime the next big Batman movie came out. This was now this was at the beginning of us. This was our first, I think, double feature movie we used to pull on a Saturday. Ninety five. Uh, Mama drop us off. Yeah, ninety five. The Batman Forever Congo. Yeah, that was the uh, the first double feature. Yep. Yeah. So the Batman Forever, they did a superhero burger. Now I don't know if the burger was shaped in like the shape of some type of Batman. Well, I I remember this was actually the sandwich itself was like two big like quarter pounder patties, but instead of being stacked on top of each other, they were placed side by side on a long like almost like a hoagie bun. And then it had all the dressing on top of it. So you got your mayo, your shredded lettuce, and all that stuff that would typically be on like a like a Big Mac or or a quarter pounder. But uh, yeah, I don't know why that made it a, a Batman burger, just because the patties were side by side. But yeah, that's how it went. Yeah, but I mean, I remember that one there so much. But uh, they had cups that you can go ahead and get as well. And there were the Batman Forever ones. Oh, yeah. So these are little cups. They had all these characters on them from the Riddler to Two-Face oh, yeah. to Batman. They had all these on this. I think they had four. Was uh, I don't remember if Robin was in that one or not. No, he was in, um, well, maybe. I don't know. He he made his first appearance in Batman Forever. Um, but it's funny. It's like these, I remember these cups that specifically. They almost look like they were carved out of ice. Um, which doesn't yeah. make sense at all because Mr. Freeze didn't come until the following film. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know why they got that from. But, yeah, I remember those cups. They were kind of tiny, too. They were, like, short. Uh, I couldn't put a lot in them. No, time. Two gulps and gone. And you're like, okay, I need <laughs> yeah. more. But, I mean, it, it, it kind of – I mean, even, we've even gotten away from that when it comes to, like, movie memorabilia. Yeah. Like, if you go to, like, McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, they really don't do that anymore. Uh the main things I have in my house are like those big movie theater cups. I have like Zombieland 2 on them or something. Yes. I buy them every I'm a sucker. Yeah. I buy them every time and I never use them beyond that time. Man, when we were kids, they had special collectors cups, uh, like the Batman Forever ones. They had, you know, special like Coca-Cola shaped glasses that you could purchase for like two or three bucks in addition to your value meal and get a, a collector's cup that you could keep and use in your house, um, you know, going forward. Um, they would have above and beyond just the toys and Happy Meals. They had like collectible plushes, whether it be like I remember specifically in the mid 80s, they released uh, Muppet Babies plushes around Christmas time uh, that are kind of dressed up like Kermit had a little Santa hat on. And uh, my grandmother had them and would display them year after year uh, during the holidays. And it became um, so kind of uh, like iconic to my own holiday season that later in life, um, I actually eBayed those same ones uh, to, to put them <laughs> out. And But they are, they're collector's items. And, and, you know, we used to see that kind of thing all the time. Even when it comes down to the toys themselves that used to be in Happy Meals, I just feel like they're a lot better. Because, I you know, I get my kid Happy Meal from time to time. And every time I do, the, the toy that's in there is just not quite up to snuff. I mean, and even McDonald's, they have you know, probably the best toys when it comes to, to that kind of thing. But I mean, you go to any other restaurant, like a Subway or a Chick-fil-A or anywhere. I mean, you're lucky to get some sort of a puzzle or, or pieces of cardboard that you rip out or something. It's, it's just not great. Yeah, no, they've gone downhill quite a bit. And I think it's just a, a product of the culture nowadays Yeah, when it comes to advertising anything that's not healthy towards kids. Right. Okay. I'll come around. Eventually someone's going to have the nerve to put something awesome in it and, you know, a kid's meal again. Okay, I mean, we went over quite a bit there. Now, we're, we're getting to that part where I, I think I enjoy this as much as you do. Uh, our dad joke segment here. Uh, do you have one ready? I have a dad joke at the ready. 
Okay, let's let's go ahead and hear. I you know in forewarn, I have not heard this, so if I laugh, it's real. <laughs> All right. Now, now this is sort of uh, wordplay, and it's a lot funnier when you see it written out versus when you say it. But um, why is justice a dish best served cold? Why is that? Because if it wasn't cold, it would be just water. Just ice. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Mine's similar. We may get crickets on mine as well. Uh, okay, so here he goes. Who is the funniest Disney princess? Uh, who is the funniest Disney princess? Rapunzel. <laughs> See, I actually like that one because uh, it's wordplay and the actual joke is the word pun. That's good yes. stuff. I was looking at it, and I was going through them, and I got my wife to laugh. I was kind of reading them off to her, and she laughed. I was like, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Yeah. All right. I think with that, you won the week as far as dad jokes. There we go. I'll take it. But, uh, okay, so we all know with Bob Iger stepping down, uh, it was a you know, big shakeup. But the funny thing here is the next day, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the jungle cruise boat inside Disney World yeah. sank. Oh, what? <laughs> it started taking on water. They had to get another boat to actually get people, you know, transfer them out. Now, wow. granted, the actual ride only has just enough water for it to float. Yeah. So we're talking maybe four feet of water at most. Okay. So when the boat's actually sitting on the bottom, you can still be in the boat. <laughs> can you imagine with the kid's imagination, though? Like, uh, you think maybe the, the water, think you're oh, going down. terrible over where the alligators are. The hippo oh, comes yeah. out of the water. Oh, that would terrify a kid. That would be amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's a small glimpse into me. Uh, (laughs) But uh, not just that. Also, there is a ride called the People Mover. And it's one of those rides. Now, this is over, I believe, in Epcot. Okay. Where it kind of goes around and you kind of see the park and behind things and everything. Now, I may be wrong in the park, but it's one of them down there. That one actually crashed into each other. Oh, no way. So you have these two things that happen on the same day, the day after they change, you know, who's in charge. It's kind of almost like, oh, look at that. He's changing. The place is falling apart already. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of crazy timing for those things to happen right after this transition. I, you know, I, I don't think it would have to do anything with that. But, uh, yeah, just the timing, that's quite a coincidence. Yeah, absolutely no correlation between the two. Yeah, but it's, yeah like I said, it's funny how... Uh, so, yeah, well, we're going downhill now. Going downhill immediately. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere to go now. But, I mean, that, that's pretty much the funny. You can look it up. I mean, there's plenty of videos. People that were on the ride were, like, are sharing videos of it. So, you can find it on YouTube. It's, it's actually pretty funny. Oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, see, outside of that, I mean, we have one of our buddies, one of our, uh, our, our I, can, I can probably say our OG of our show, uh, Jimmy, is actually sending both Sean and I a, uh, a box to go ahead and unpack and I kind of do an, an unveiling, actually, an unboxing. So uh, Unboxing video. Unbo- yeah, they're very popular on YouTube. Wow, look at that. We're becoming popular enough <laughs> to do unboxings. I think, well, I know I plan on it. I believe Sean is as well. We're going to go ahead and do them via Facebook Live. Yeah. So we'll go ahead there, and what we'll do is we'll schedule it. Like, for instance, if I get mine, uh, I'd probably go ahead and have something on Facebook saying, you know, this time, see me, and I'll go ahead and do it, say, say Friday. Uh, just to throw a time out there or a day out there and uh, kind of have it live. And you guys can see me go through the uh, shock and all of finding some crazy things. I, I I basically told him at one point that 
we maybe get me and you get together and kind of do it together. And he was like, he shot it down real fast. He's like, I want to see you guys, your faces when you you guys open it up. So he's kind of pumped, which is awesome. Uh, But that's pretty much it. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook, you know, follow us on Twitter. I'm going ahead and uh, putting a lot out there right now. I'm using my personal account. It's a sleepy fan 22. So go ahead and look me up. Uh, Follow me. I am posting a bunch out there when it comes to our shows, Uh, trying to be as active on there as I am on Facebook, which I think we kind of slacked off a little bit on both of them. Uh, But we're going to keep going as much as we can here. Uh, You know our emails by now. I'm Chris at uh, dadnarock.com. Sean at dadnarock.com is mine. And I think that's a good place for us to go ahead and end. Did I do that? <laughs>